Greetings, friends. My name is Jessa McLean, and I'm here to provide you with some blueprints of disruption. This weekly podcast is dedicated to amplifying the work of activists, examining power structures, and sharing the success stories from the grassroots. Through these discussions, we hope to provide folks with the tools and the inspiration they need to start to dismantle capitalism, decolonize our spaces, and bring about the political revolution that we know we need. All right, so today I wanted to talk about leadership cults here with uh, producer Santiago. I think it's all this talk about Mike Schreiner and Merritt Stiles that had me thinking about it. But to be honest, I think it's kind of just been egging at me for a while because I have been so guilty of falling into that leadership cult kind of mentality and have since fallen out of love with it. And now I can't stand to see it. So I just wanted to explore that in terms of like Canadian politics and how much deference we put into leaders, both our own and the focus that we put on the opposition enemy. Or, sorry, <laughs> did I call them enemies? <laughs> anyway, um, we're trying not to be that um, black and white about our thinking anymore. Um, however, I don't think it serves us well, right? Either in tactics or mentality. So you jumped, you, like you didn't object, Santiago. So obviously you maybe wanted to explore this as well. You've never been in the leadership cult or, you know, I say that as I have Che Guevara poster behind me. So I'll cop to that right now. No, I mean, I, th I think it's kind of natural to have at some point fallen into that in one way or the other. Who was it? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you can definitely say Bernie was. But that that doesn't feel like, you know, uh, the worst thing. But I, I think it's more of just wanting somebody to save us. You know, wanting to believe that somebody's just going to come along and have all the answers and just like single handedly wield the power to fix everything. I think that's like just a deep desire for a lot of people. No, but I think, yeah, no, Bernie's not a good example. Uh, but he is in a way like it still creates the same kind of problems. Like You don't get off the hook for being a Bernie brother or whatever they like to the moniker they attach to. Nah, but the whole Bernie thing was the it was the it was the not me us okay. of it that I loved, you know, like I think like that's what I'm saying. I don't think I fell into the leadership cult of it all because it was more of the yes. movement of it all that I fell in love with, too. And just Bernie was the face of that movement. I think I had. But no, I, I definitely think I have. I just can't think of off the top of my head, to be honest, which is kind of. I mean, I think that's a good thing, maybe. I mean, there's a case to be made, too, that like you're you're not the only one. I'm not the only one. It seems like Canadian politics in general just seems really focused on the leader. And if you've ever you know, been a part of any campaign, they tell you essentially and it's even more so with a federal campaign, that it's the national campaign, that leadership campaign that really is going to make the difference in terms of vote count and polls, right, constantly polling people on their preference for leader, even without asking them any kind of values-based questions. And that is somehow relevant, you know, and there's no doubt it's influenced elections. Like, do you think Trudeau would have been elected and been successful this many times if he wasn't so personable? No. I mean, I've knocked on enough doors to know 
what people care about with elections. They love his hair. They will say that at the door, won't they? And then it's 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 the leadership, right? They don't because I've tried to engage people in conversations at the door on on policy, on like more of like nuanced details, and it really just comes down to the leader. I mean, I remember when I was in grade twelve, my my politics teacher used to say that um, politicians are elected based off of the beer test, which is people vote for the person they would most want to have a beer with. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably how we market ourselves. You know, that's how the campaigns shape up, too. Right. Like it's all poured everything into the leader to make them. It was the kinder, gentler Andrea. Right. And that like that obviously didn't work, but. Yeah, it becomes like the go-to strategy, too. And I think that's what really turned me off, right? It was sitting in so many council meetings that's uh, on NDP council meetings where you're told, first and foremost, that all the positive stuff that comes out is going to be about the leader and only the leader, not the issues, not the other people doing the work. And all of the negative uh, messaging is going to be primarily about a person, and not ideas. And I think like that's really what gets me upset um, when we talk about these leadership cults and why they're a bad thing. It's just we're not talking about the issues, right? And I'm so guilty of it still. You know, on TikTok, I've got a Ford tracker and I've named it that and I blame him and I use his name over and over again because I know it, it'll elicit certain emotions, I guess. But in reality, um, I'm wasting time by not driving home the point that it's whether it was Ford or Lecce at the helm or any of them, it's all going to be the same neoliberal plan, the same capitalist patterns of, you know, cutting government spending and leaving us hanging out to dry and like attacking the person is really just such a distraction. Yeah. And it's, it's also like, it's so tempting to fall into just that messaging because it, it's also often the most efficient, you know, when it comes to limited resource, if you can knock down a leader that does have an effect for most Yeah. And that's like easy. It shouldn't, yeah, and, and there. But there's also like a certain level of control that you surrender when you use that strategy, because the spin, right? Like a lot of the ways that you can criticize someone, it it, it all comes down to how that ends up getting spinned in the narrative, right? Like I remember, I was taught. I ran into. Um, uh, an, an activist I knew the other day who like he does activism in the Philippines and he was telling me about how the the person he was organizing against uh, there was like some scandal where they were like doing they, they were caught doing coke or something and and then the media spinned it to be that oh they have to do coke because they're such a hard worker uh, <laughs> that it's what they do to that might be, be able true. to keep up with the campaign and and for the record like i don't use this example because i have anything like i don't have any stigmas against drug use i'm more using about like the narratives right like that same narrative would knock down someone else and here it gets spun into someone a someone had a right? really creative so press you... team eh? <laughs> like that's impressive. Yeah, and, and and apparently it worked. 
So I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 this was a passing conversation. I didn't get the most details about it, but apparently it worked. And, and, and that's kind of what it comes down to, right? Is that like when you attack a leader, it's also really easy to defend a leader. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, how many things I think Trump was the ultimate example of that, which is that the, the, the amount of shit that he could get away with, you know, it, it all comes down to the spin. And, I think when it comes to criticizing, like when somebody bought into that cult and, and, and I think cult is kind of a useful term, right? Because it, it, it's like surrendering a bit of like the rational thinking. Yeah, it becomes entirely emotional. When you're in that cult, you know, it is completely unacceptable for you to be wrong about it, you know? So, so any criticisms just get dismissed. Like they're not going to land. They're not going to land. You attack the leader. You attack the person. It's not going to land. And so you see that constantly. The people who support people support those people and will keep supporting those people. And by attacking those leaders, there's nothing you can get. You, nothing you can say that'll get through to them. Maybe you get through to a couple. Maybe. But it's not going to be effective on a larger scale. So it's also like I feel like we're wasting a lot of our time there. I don't know. Well, I think that's on purpose, right? It's like that moving target, that false target. And it's it's in within our enemies and within ourselves, because like Jagmeet Singh, he's a perfect example, like people who are frustrated with the party right now, blame him. But he doesn't actually do anything from what we know, like he hardly does anything, um, any leading. Right. There's no grand vision. There's no Mm -hmm. planning that's coming through him particularly. He's being propped up and put on display and so being frustrated with him and thinking that a leadership contest is going to fix it just like you know the Ontario NDP getting a new leader here like those aren't even the people actually running the show and that's the same on all levels of government like Trump isn't actually coming up with most of those ideas those horrible initiatives and neither is Trudeau for the most part like there's going to be some exceptions and 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 cabinets are set up different ways but it's just to de- like people aren't educated too as well as how these power structures work, right? So it's so easy to be like, oh, it's him, it's Ford, it's it's whoever you want to blame at the time, and you can spend all your energy. Like we've seen entire campaigns, money spent, energy spent to to get the minister of education in Ontario fired by whom? By Ford to be replaced by another person? Like that is such wasted time when it's the ideas that. Those will continue. The cuts would continue with a different face because we like we learn nothing because cabinet shuffles are just one way out of it. Right. So that's that duck and dodge. I asked you before we started recording, you know, how we thought do conservatives, do people on the right put as much hope and deference into their leaders? You said yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I also think that, like, one of the things that, like, kind of came up for me was there was, like, this idea. I feel like there's almost this, like, assumption that asshole politicians, asshole leaders, asshole CEOs, whatever, are a finite resource. <laughs> that, 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 by well, getting rid of the them. the Ontario NDP, right? No, there was only one to choose from. But 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 you know what I mean? Like this idea that you get rid of them and the next one won't be the literal same thing. And that's the case with everything in capitalism, right? You're going to you you get rid of one of those and it's a hydra, you know, chop off one head two grow back. 
what's worse, though, thinking getting rid of like a Trump. Yay, we beat Trump and thinking we've won or that false hope you put in like an Obama that people spent energy propping up rather than defeating. And obviously there's differences between the two. But I mean, Obama bombed the shit out of racialized people. He built those migrant detention centers, like all the things that we just despise and try to dump on Trump, like um, like policy wise, they didn't differ all that much. Right. Save for like some human rights issues, like very few, though. And. I'm wondering, like, what does us more harm? Wasting our energy attacking, like, this kind of man behind the curtain that's not there or that false hope, that false hope that you kind of talked about at the very beginning where we think someone will save us because that is that probably means you're not doing the work that you would do if you thought it was on you and your comrades, right? It, like, erases all the work that goes in behind these leaders, good and bad. Like Jagmeet didn't get where he was, fourth place, I guess, without the team that's behind him. And Trump didn't get there without all these folks propping him up in the media, um, amplifying it, right? But we don't really look there. We we, we just have this really narrow focus. And uh, yeah, I can't decide which one is more detrimental to you know, actually getting the work done. I I mean, I feel like that. I mean, I've seen that false hope so many times stop people from getting the work done that like, I'm, I, and, and I think that comes back to like a central theme of this podcast, which is like the problem with just electoralism, right? Just like only doing the electoralism thing. And putting all your hope in the electoralism thing and then losing all your hope and energy because all you did was the electoralism thing and absolutely nothing changed. Right. I, and like that's done so much harm. And, and earlier when you asked me about like our conservatives more or less on the, the cult of leadership, I think an important thing to like kind of ask is when, when we say conservative, are we talking about conservative voters or the actual capitalists like the people with resources, money, power, who are really the conservative party, right? Because there is a distinction there, right? I think that conservatives are like more, like the the electorate is more, well, I'd say they're just about as loyal as liberals to the whole cult of leadership. But I'd say that behind the scenes, conservatives are cutthroat. They're quick to move on the second someone loses their usefulness except trumpites like i think i feel like there should be an asterisk every time we say this because like they take it to another level like the swag and the passion and this man has is lost he's not but those are the voters though those are the voters not 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 the people behind the scenes i don't think that they're as committed to it and i i feel like i mean they know what they have to gain by playing that up to the people who are still very much drinking the Kool-Aid. I think Trump was an exception in so many ways, though. Like you say voters, I'm I, I'm I'm thinking half those folks didn't. I know the numbers are not going to support me here, but I feel like they're not even voters. It's just really reactionary. It's like almost like a fuck you to the established political class because he was just so 
out there in terms of like being a politician, right? It was like the anti-politician, even though in the end he's doing capitals bidding the same way, just with a different shtick. But it was, it did come coalesce around him and then kept its momentum even when he was removed from power, even more so, right? Like they almost rose up in the absence of his power. So I feel like, yeah, there's just like another lens to look at that situation. But if you look at Canada, we always mark like our eras by prime minister, right? Like not by an actual political analysis of the change, you know, like Mulroney brought in that neoliberal approach that Reagan had, but we don't, we don't put those words to it and teach people that, it's like my dad hated Mulrooney, so I do. <laughs> and uh, it's not measured by how people are actually doing, like quality of life. Like your average person. Yeah, no, no. And that's, we don't even mark our eras that way politically, you know, when we shifted away, when our foreign policy shifted to a certain way or, you know, our social safety net became less of a, you know, priority. And, and we don't mark that. We're just mark it by what leader was in power. And quite often people can't name even what party they were. I think that's. <laughs> and, and it's also so like complicated also because like, for example, right now, Trudeau has been prime minister for however, how long, but almost every province is conservative. And so like, is it the era of Trudeau? Is it the era of Ford? It's the area. Which one is it? Well, it's right now it's like the era of fuck Trudeau. I think that's what's galvanizing a lot of people. Like I come from a neighborhood where every other truck has that on their bumper sticker. Like and that again is like this huge focus. The convoy doesn't even really know what they're protesting or asking for. I mean, there's certain ones that have real subversive motives but generally i think most of them are clueless wouldn't be able to articulate it except that tyrant um he's a tyrant like trudeau's just some tyrant and then you go into liberal spaces and you try to say anything negative about trudeau and you've like got to be a conservative and like you know full disclaimer we're neither but but yeah it just elicits such uh divisiveness too right as soon as you start talking about the leader you're almost getting a different person in their response, right? As if you talked about an issue, right? Went after an issue and talked about the importance of healthcare. You could actually have discourse. But once you bring like the leader into it, I feel like it that that's that constructive discourse just disappears. It all it becomes irrational and yeah, the amount of media space that's dedicated to it as well, I think is just such a drawback from like letting folks know what's what's actually in the policies rather than where they are and who they're shaking hands with or who's yelling at them outside of their dinner. It, it comes back also, like, just because you mentioned media, it comes back to that fundamental issue in journalism about, like, because these are not, like, always, it's it's not like backroom meetings where they're, like, planning to, like, focus only on leaders because, uh they want to like not give people information, but it, it's because it's easy, right? Like communicating to people politics through the lens of leaders is the easiest way to do it, right? It's much more difficult to try and tell people about all of the nuances in policy and all 336, is it? I don't even know anymore. That's good. I'm glad I don't know. 330 whatever uh, MPs, right? Like people don't, People can't, they don't have the time for that. So it's easier to just do the whole leadership thing and sell it all through that image. But it's also not doing anyone justice. And 
I don't know. Like, how do you fix that? How do you how do you actually change the way that we communicate politics to people? That is that is like the question, <laughs> the golden question, right? Because whatever it is, we're not doing it. Look, and a lot of it boils down to like education, right? It's easier also because people maybe wouldn't understand. So it's digestible, it's sellable. It's drama too, right? Policy versus policy just doesn't elicit the same narrative as two individuals fighting each other and, and, you know, those digs that we like to publish at each other. And it just evolves into this um, battle of the personalities and another real negative impact that that has is it erases the fact that they're essentially all the same, right? It's like Ford versus Trudeau. And like now Trudeau's just saying, oh, well, you know what? Your private healthcare is really innovative. So like all their bickering back and forth and all this talk about Trudeau saving us. And, and it's they're all the same. They're all doing capital's bidding. Um, there's not much that separates them. You know, it's an interesting policy to think about right now is because i was just thinking about how like whenever they actually whenever you want to sell policy you got to give it a catchy name you know you got to make it a whole thing you know you, you got you got your buck of beers you know um and stuff like that but i was just thinking about the green new deal and how how so many right-wing republicans and such they uh hate it but they have no idea what it is they just know the name green new deal and then like critical race theory too. Oh yeah, what is it? I don't critical know, but I don't like it. Is another another great example. There's all kinds of like whenever like actual policy gets brought up, and the, you have to sell it with like some name, you know, like but like the actual content of it is not what people are paying attention to. And then it's so funny how much how angry people can get about something that they have no idea what it is, you know. <laughs> that is so true, and I know this is kind of digressing a. A little bit as well but if you ever actually read ford nations see i even call them that it should be the progressive conservative governments acts like they're so awful they're so orwellian they literally say the opposite of what they're doing um because every time someone tells me the name of the act i feel like my response is it's not really called that is it and 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 sure enough if you look at it it is so yeah messaging is just uh manipulation in politics and leadership cults are not uh the only example of that by far um i think it serves us well to kind of talk about the two leadership kind of situations in ontario that got us talking about leadership this and leadership that the mike schreiner drama <laughs> i'm having fun watching people's reactions to this because they're getting quite worked up and emotional about it have you waded into this so this is the ontario green leader is being courted again by this time like real high-ranking liberals whatever that means and um you know they wrote an open letter pleading with him and and although he had said he wouldn't even consider it he's now asked people for some time to carefully consider it so i mean i gotta be honest when i say that i, I haven't been focusing the most on it it's been like one of those times uh he got asked to run for the leadership of the liberals it is right yeah so like you know you've got your lip so i'm gonna fill you in santiago with the audience so the 
You got liberals. They're getting all worked up because they've got their favorite one of seven MPPs or whoever, you know, they've got a liberal, maybe federal hero that they had planned for this job because they see themselves as resurging. And apparently it all rests on who your leader is, not your content. So uh, I guess some of them are very excited at the idea of just replacing it with someone with some star power at the moment. And uh, then you've got your greens who, you know, are enjoying having someone like Schreiner who polls very well in Ontario, uh, is a bit of a superstar amongst leftists because he has, you know, what would be considered ultra progressive ideas in Ontario politics, even left of the Ontario NDP most of the time, to be honest. And so the greens there are mixed. Some of them are like, well, maybe we could all be liberals and actually win. And then you know, the grassroots, most of the grassroots are just like, no, like we finally have momentum. We finally have a really genuine leader that's not Elizabeth May. And, you know, how could you leave us? Right. How could you do that to us? How could you even think about it? And again, it's just like, although I do find it amusing at some point because I don't know the... (laughs) I just have fun with the greens. I'm not sure why. I'm sorry to all my green friends there. But it's just, again, like it doesn't matter. It should not matter who the leader of your party is really, right? It's like if it's led by really powerful ideas that are communicated, well, you should win. You should transform people's minds. Like all of this work and hope that's, you know, resting on where Mike Schreiner lands, um, and like somehow the fate of Ontarians rests in that decision is really troubling to me um, because they're going to make those decisions 100 percent based on their own political professional situation. Right. Same with Merritt Styles and, and all of their decisions, like they're thinking about themselves and they're propping themselves up and creating their own portfolio. I mean, I think that's obvious with what Andrea Horwath now, who's working very closely with Doug Ford as mayor of Hamilton, you know, they go where they'll win. They'll go where they'll be propped up. They'll go where they'll have a big spotlight. And um, yeah, membership be damned. (laughs) So um, yeah, I've mentioned merit a few times that folks who aren't paying attention to Ontario politics, I don't blame you, but the Ontario NDP had a single person run for leadership. So, (laughs) you know, and they made sure of that. (laughs) They did. uh, The the party was absolutely so focused and intent on having this one person become the next leader, an essential carbon copy of the last one, albeit a better speaker. They went even so far as to like alienate really good MPPs, attack members, you know, ba- basically structured the last two years and counting on this transition of power. And uh, yeah, it's like whatever you got to do to get the leader of your choice in place. And uh, it has such detrimental effect on the left. We talked about uh, briefly. Jagmeet Singh being the leader of the federal NDP and how he got there. There's still bad blood amongst NDPers um, on depending on whose camp you were in during that first leadership race for for Jagmeet. Uh, there was you know Team Nikki, Team Charlie, and Team Jagmeet. And yeah, still when you when you're in these circles, there is animosity, and there's folks who don't work together anymore because they were in different campaigns there. And um, 
yeah, like, for what? For what? Look, what, where has it gotten us in the last four or five years? No, and, you, and like, just to bring up another example, just because I was a part of this, uh, when Anime Paul was elected leader of the Greens, right? In the lead up to that, I remember there were so many members signing up. There was, like, a really good energy. There was this whole field of candidates. Anime Paul wins, and suddenly, poof, all of that energy, all of that momentum gone. And and that happens so so much with this, where it's, like, in the lead up to these leadership elections, a lot of great stuff is happening and then you just once somebody's elected everyone's like okay work is done bye bye you know and and that's the case so much and you know like with with this i always like wonder like why is that what why is it in canadian politics that it's always like just one leader i mean that's the thing in a lot of politics not just canadian but are you talking about like the co-leadership but even like what if you just what if you didn't have a leader chaos would party. ensue Santiago. and you just like no but what if you like psycho you what if you had like a, a a few people who all were like cycling through in terms of like media duties and like talking and stuff representing the party but like you didn't and maybe you had like you, you could still have like a, a president but just maybe i don't know not even a fan of that idea, but just saying, like, what if you didn't? How would Canadians react to that? Do you think? Do you think that people would like that? Do you think they'd fuck with that? <laughs> like, well, sometimes I wonder if people only tune into politics to see the drama around the leadership, but that idea of like rotation is not foreign to democracy at all. You know, the Greeks had the lot system, and your name was in a hat, you know. And if you got drawn to be the minister of agriculture, that's what you were doing for the next year. And, <laughs> you know, uh, it had many purposes. It exposed you to all of the ins and outs of government, which is society, right? How everything works, the ideas to move around and, and get. But then you also experience like being the ruled and being a ruler so that you know what makes both good, right? Rather than it always being the same person. It reduced like elections. We talk about the problems, like how do you run an election without having that leader, that focal point for people to kind of follow it all. And uh, But elections are really problematic. They're not as democratic as we make them out to be that doesn't that isn't the only way to structure who will be making the decisions for the next bit you know if we if we do look back to the origins of democracy there are so many other ways that you can function without that but you know, the system that we've built up around us makes that really hard you know the money that's involved or the way that media is structured to you know funnel out certain stuff let's say and i'm just gonna pick the liberals as my example here just because you know they win elections um they do <laughs> sorry uh <laughs> if the liberals said tomorrow we're no more leaders we have no leaders and we're just gonna cycle various mps like the cabinet members trudeau would know? be so upset cycle the cabinet members but but say they did that how would canadians react to that i'm i'm genuinely i have no idea but it'd be really curious to see. And, you know, in a weird way, it would take certain wind out of the sails of, like, 
I was just going to say that. I'm like, well, if you're going to call someone a tyrant, if they, you know, relinquish power to a collective, you've got to you got to be down with that. But they can often be very hypocritical in their positions. But in theory, they would have to support that. And they, I mean, conservatives. Right. And the left would also, in theory, support it because we believe in equality. Right. An equalization of power is included in that. And so but how would we emotionally react or like how would our engagement level be? I would like to think we'd then have to focus on the meat and potatoes, right? right. The right. actual substance of what's being put forth. And, uh, you know, that might hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. We might not be ready to actually look at how bad, you know, liberal policies really are like when you point out um you know the foreign policies of liberals and like the real right-wing stuff like it hurts people to hear that like they just can't picture trudeau being that way or maybe canadians being that way but um it's interesting like it, it comes back to like the systemic analysis right like we're always attacking various leaders, criticizing various leaders, but we never criticize leadership itself, you know? Well, we did on one episode <laughs> called Reimagining like... <laughs> Leadership with Duncan Pike. <laughs> yeah. I had to. Uh, like, I, I, I feel like this is, like, just me, my, the, the anarchist in me coming out quite a bit, but, like, you know, like, le- like, there's different ways to do things, is my point. And a lot of the time the top-down leadership structure is the very problem because one person can't do it all. We're all incredibly flawed people. Oh, yes. Like, the best of us is incredibly flawed. The best of us can't do it. That's kind of my point. The very best person out of all of us cannot do it. Well, there is no best. Like, I think you said it right the first time. Like, we're all just, like, infallible creatures, right? And so... That is a huge problem mm-hmm. with those leadership cults, too, because we become they become such easy targets. So if you could just de- discredit a Jeremy Corbyn, uh, you would take a huge look at the Labour Party now. <laughs> look at the Labour Party now. All they had to do was pull some bullshit claim that he was anti-Semitic. And now the Labour Party is just in ruins. It's destroyed. It's the ugliest thing i've ever seen to be honest to have a labor in the name although the canadian labor congress sometimes (laughs) might uh uh (laughs) get in on that but like yeah we put all our eggs in one basket so to speak and then it gets taken down and we are left with nothing uh and another thing that pisses me off too is you can't talk about your own leader (laughs) Everyone on the left knows this is so effing true. Um, like, you can't talk about Jagmeet on the left for two reasons. One, you'll be labeled a racist. Or two, uh, you're bringing down the left entirely. So we've apparently put all of our hopes into a person so much so that they are not even open to critique anymore. And we can position them so that, you know, any critique of them is quickly dismissed even if it's valid critique um even i was once told i was criticizing 
the uh, Anne McGrath. She's the national director <laughs> because she was a woman. <laughs> I identify as a woman. <laughs> and by the way, like that's what makes that uh, slightly ironic is it was an anti-woman position and it was so typical for women in politics to be bashed. And um, it was just, you know, and the same thing goes with Obama and uh, the leaders that we have now, like even Biden, even Bernie brothers that were just like, no, not Biden. Like, no, like, I can't celebrate that if it's not it's Bernie or bust. They were told to just like get in line and behind the leader. You're making us all look bad. And in the end, Biden is awful. Right. That was no victory. But Bernie brothers had every reason to say like our guy or, or nobody at all. But I think that uh, gives credit to your theory earlier that the Bernie Sanders movement was more about um, the grassroots than Bernie himself. Like he did defer. I, I think when it comes to Bernie, I think he genuinely doesn't want to be a leader, which I think is the best quality a leader. It's can almost have. like he's saying, "Don't take a picture of me," right? Like the mittens, the coat, yeah. the disheveled I, hair. It's like I'm not going to sell any magazines. Stop. I, I genuinely think that he just kind of fell into this at a certain point, and 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 like that comes back to like in 2016 before you know he ran, he was trying to get Elizabeth Warren to run instead. Like, he was trying to get someone else to do it, and then no one else did it. And then he was, like, reluctantly, like, fine, I guess it's up to me. And and then it turned into a whole thing. But I think that that's something that is people are attracted to him about, is that more grassroots. And, and I think they made an effort in the campaign to kind of talk about, you know, all of the door knocking and all of the... Like the, the the grassroots part of the campaign and all of the, like, single donations and everything. I, I Like, that was... That was why that exploded, you know, and uh, yeah, no, we, we, we don't have anything like that here. And people are already like, like w with uh, the NDP, like people are already towing the line day one. Like I remember I saw uh, a tweet where like Shailene Paniello was like saying about how they didn't release the results of the vote. And then somebody was like, oh, you got to like. Uh, fall in line and keep all the discussions in house because you're only helping for your divisive comments are only helping for and i'm like oh like are you serious you know i replied to that <laughs> oh did you i didn't i can't believe people can still say that now you know that they still we have not gone anywhere in terms of waking up to those kind of harms of just falling in line Honestly, like history has provided us with so many examples, but leftists surprise me in our, our hypocrisy. And I'm just as guilty, honestly, of all of these things. It's not a I'm the perfect leftist kind of I've, I've fallen into all of these traps and I still do sometimes because even Bernie, when we're talking about him, we can't romanticize him or Corbyn because they, they also yeah, have their flaws. That, that's right? a problem. Like and and that and that that's that like warm and fuzzy like rosy glasses that I still have. Like I know when I'm talking about this that I'm just like seeing this for the energy that I believed in, and you know, and and I I don't I don't even know anymore what's what. I just that's a problem. You you want to believe in something. You want to believe. You know, somebody come along and just have the answers and save us. Like. I always talk about how, like, because, like, I studied music, right? Like, my my dream would be really to just make music, do art, cook, spend time. Like, you know, like, the basics of life. Like, I just, I want to do that. I don't want to be trying to save the world. But it's like, 
so like, like somebody please come and save all of us. But no, that's not what's going to happen. And, and we have to do it ourselves, you know, and we all have to be a part of it. Yeah. Like it's, that does become a bit of it because, you know, you absolutely can't be fighting all the time either. So it's, it's nice to think that someone is doing it. I think in reality though, those aren't even the folks doing the real work most of the time. Um, so they're not the people to be looking to. It's like all those other people um, that put them there. And even when we talk about like leaderless movements, and when we talk about some social movements, we we say they're without leaders, but really they're without like propped up leaders. So you know that you know that there's somebody that is like leading meetings, you know, chairing meetings, spearheading efforts, certain projects, you know, and. There are definitely people throughout history, too, that have just done really great things worth celebrating, worth learning from, worth imitating. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just that complete deference that we fall into that becomes really detrimental, right? Because, like, there is, there is definitely positives to idolizing somebody because, like, I'm thinking of the poster behind me like Che Guevara I am not unaware of the issues around that but I'll tell you right now like I have read every piece of work that I've ever been able to get my hands on I'm fully versed in in the life of Che Guevara and his actions uh, but I still hold him up in a high regard I justify the things that he did for the ends that we're trying to meet. And I don't hold any regret there at all. And I know he's not a perfect person or was not a perfect person, but he now for me represents also this ideal of selflessness and sacrifice and like global solidarity that, is personified and it's sometimes there's not even a way for me to articulate it other than through that imagery. And that might not even be rational or right. It is probably very emotional, but I only think I've drawn positives from hold from holding him in that high regard. And I teach my children about him and other leaders, you know, that will obviously have flawed pasts as well. But, you know, I definitely don't want anyone to get, come away with the idea that there isn't people to celebrate. No, and it, and, and, but that that's the key word is the people of it, which is that the people we celebrate are still people and all of us people are uh, in, in incredibly flawed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because who isn't, right? <laughs> like, like. I don't think exactly, you'd be like, truly human. And it's, I don't think it's also even very self-serving or serving to the movement to display our leaders as perfect. I think there'd be something relatable in error. And I think we need to focus on that on the left sometimes because it's like, also, no, there was nobody who had all the answers. None of us have all the answers. I'm, I'm guarantee I'm wrong about a very large amount of things that I don't even know that I'm wrong I'm about. <laughs> but none of, <laughs> but but you know what I mean, right? It's just like it's like it's just wanting somebody to have figured it all out. Nobody figured it all out, 
nobody one thoughts and ideas of the answer none of it is perfect it's through the combination of everyone that you're gonna find the closest thing to an answer you know like the answer lies in people not person not one person it lies in all the people and the same can be said for blame Right. So when we're looking to make big changes, mm-hmm. you know, switching out a a minister or even like, let's be honest, at this point, pretty much anywhere in Canadian politics, even a new leader from a new party is really not going to make for transformative change. Like in your life, in your daily life, I know we've seen a marked decrease in life under uh, Premier Ford, but... You know, it was declining under the Liberals and Ontario had the worst example there where we came so focused on McGinty, right? It was had that same Ford kind of um, attack ad aura to it where he was in a, mm-hmm. and he was very handsome. He was he was easy to um, demonize. He just looked like a shady politician, to be honest. And he was awful and they were corrupt. They were so corrupt. And they were able to just... Uh, have a leadership race replaced with Kathleen Wynne, a kinder, gentler version of the Liberals who did the same policies. Like all the crumbs that we got from them were just leading into another election. They weren't things that they had actually had, you know, foundations for. Um, and now we've fallen into that same trap where we think if, so it was like if we could just get rid of the Liberals. Now it's like if we could just get rid of Ford and then it would all be better. And and I just, you know, even if that's Mike Schreiner and the liberals, I am really, really skeptical on whether that or sorry, or merit and the Ontario NDP, that that would lead to a real big change in people's lives, but people would celebrate it nonetheless. Right. It would be like victory, right? Like I can only imagine people in BC and, and, you know, Alberta when Notley got in and like the the excitement of finally voting for a winner and getting a winner and then expecting them to transform everything. And it just seems incredibly uh, naive now. I'm, I just thought about something, which is because we said you mentioned earlier about how Trump is kind of like outside of the rule in this. Like he, he's what about Biden, where it's like nobody actually nobody actually cared about him as a leader. Like there wasn't no nobody was getting the rosy glasses. Capital. Of a. You no, mean but you, you mean but regular you, you know folk? You mean us? I'm talking about like yeah, like the people, the, the electorate, you know, the working no. class. But like people weren't like he, he wasn't a cult of personality. Let me just say that is the is he the anti leadership cult leader? Is he going to break down our idea that we could ever need to trust in our leaders again? Like, it's just like, meh, throw anyone up there. It doesn't matter. But but that and that's kind of the thing, right? Is that like maybe that's the answer when I ask, like, what if the liberals didn't have a leader? It would just be like the Democrats of Biden where it's just like. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Our like, system is a little different, but like, I get what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's, it's just like. It didn't matter there. It did not matter that he was like the least appealing leader ever and that nobody really liked him and that 
the, he he was not a good speaker and had no policies to like he had nothing he had nothing going for him nothing at all except that he wasn't Trump who was the cult of leader and he beat the cult of leader so I I, I guess forty nine minutes into this episode I don't know where I am at anymore because I I I don't know uh, just politic bad. Is that no? Well, I think you, you've drifted into the partisanship too. That like no matter who you put up there, um, they'll vote for, right? So that kind of <laughs> lessens our argument that everything is based on leadership cult. But it definitely plays into it because I'm going to say this: it sounds self-serving, but in my writing, you know, our MP who I ran against twice, so obviously I'm a sore loser. But literally, you could have run a dead fish, not because it was me. <laughs> as the opponent, but because they were going to vote conservative no matter what. Like, he cannot speak publicly. He sweats whenever he has to. He just repeats the same words. He embarrasses himself on um, in committee, on camera, and it's just endless. But it, it really, even people in town, you go door to door and folks are like, oh, I went to school with him. I don't think I could vote for him, but, uh, you know, and you know they did anyway, you know? Like, so... Um, partisanship like that's another episode altogether that we've kind of dived into a little bit but yeah <laughs> I, I think the message is less cult oh, i mean cult of leadership is a message but i think the overall thing is just cult cult mentality there you cult go politics. cult politics like you've renamed the episode as we've we've gone along but <laughs> but i think that we have gone into that like throughout the episode of like exploring the other things and like that is like, and that comes back to, like, these cults of leaders are not actually seen as people. They're seen as something else. Gods or whatever. I think we you do know? that with, like, like, a lot of people in the public sphere. You know? Um, they become a bit of, like, fair game, but also this... Even, like, what you think of when you're a little kid and you realize your teacher has an outside life, like a real life, like a family, and they go to the grocery store, and your mind is blown that they exist outside of the realm that you experience them in. You mean they don't plug them in to recharge <laughs> underneath the cafeteria every day? I mean, to get the things that they get done, they must, but no, like, um, yeah, they're kind of like different entities. Uh, we do that with capitalists, too. You know, we attack Galen Weston a lot, and, you know, it, that's fair game. We can You can hate on Galen Weston, and should. But think of all the other billionaires that are just like, yeah, Galen's taking the heat for all of us, sucker. You know, like, all of them are, <laughs> are fixing our, our prices. All of them are getting rich off our misery. But uh, Galen decides to put himself in a commercial, and now he's just like... The king of memes. Those commercials scare me so much. Well, they should. So anyone who can speak like that is just like, you know, like like that like that artificial charisma is 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 horrifying. It it really is a scary thing. Well, it's it like, takes a certain kind to lead in that way, right? And to exploit to that level. But you know, about you mentioned this about Biden and uh just now about this faux charisma. The Greeks also back to the Greeks, uh, warned us of orators, right, of people who are well-spoken and that they will persuade you to do things. And it's kind of like, look up here and listen. Like, and I'm picturing myself just crying to Obama's speeches, right? Just bawling my eyes out at that, that emotion that those moments evoked. And then looking back on that and feeling so ridiculous and thinking of that warning from the Greeks that like, those are actually the people to be worried about. 
you know, I say this as a podcaster that's talking into a mic all the we, time. We say Don't listen a, a, to people who are well spoken. As rabble rousers, when they they warned about rabble rousers specifically too. <laughs> well, we're not going to listen to that part. I'm just cherry picking what I need from the ancient <laughs> Greeks to make my point, Santiago. Jeez. No, and, and and to be fair, some of these ancient Greeks involve like the you know the the, the Plato's, the Aristotles, who uh, they they warned about the the speakers, and then said, and this is why we need aristocracies and oligarchies, and you know, yes, no, they're not, they're <laughs> definitely not like leading examples, but you know, <laughs> no, but it's but it's funny how like they warn about the thing that they are too. You know what I mean? Like they were good speakers. They were like clearly because we're still teaching about them. But it's like, and, and then they would warn about the exact kind of people that they were. Like, well, that's an ad hominem attack. It's still a valid argument, even if they're jerks. <laughs> no, but it, it's just like the irony yeah. of it, you and know? the hypocrisy. Like, if like, <laughs> that I'm also <laughs> demonstrating throughout this episode <laughs> repeatedly. Um, but, yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on to kind of hash this out with me because it just wasn't sitting well. And I think I've kind of transitioned from one camp to another and I freed myself of a lot of cult mentality and I include like nationalism, partisanship and leadership cults kind of all there, all really disserving a globalist socialist revolution so i'm working on it myself and i thought it would be helpful to have this discussion so maybe audience members could start to challenge their perception of how we view leaders and how we should structure ourselves around them because yeah at, they shouldn't shape everything you know that's really not um that wouldn't be pursuant to our goals right it uh but we do it anyway so i think there's certainly work to do there um but yeah we gotta start somewhere that is a wrap on another episode of blueprints of disruption thank you for joining us also a very big thank you to the producer of our show santiago halu quintero blueprints of disruption is an independent production operated cooperatively you can follow us on twitter at bp of disruption if you'd like to help us continue disrupting the status quo, please share our content, and if you have the means, consider becoming a patron. Not only does our support come from the progressive community, so does our content. So reach out to us and let us know what or who we should be amplifying. So until next time, keep disrupting.